What is up, Lint Lucid Podcast fans? We are happy to have you back for season eight of the show. This season is brought to you by Vera Health, an amazing cannabis company located right here in Denver, Colorado. Visit our website, litlucid.com, to learn more about our sponsors and to view our previous episodes. And if you're enjoying the show, be sure to share with a friend and give us a review on your favorite platform. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Lucy and Jared. Welcome, everybody, to the Lit and Lucid podcast. We are here recording live with Rudy Ellen Bogan of Whole Grow. We are really excited to have Rudy on the show. We met him a couple uh, months ago, actually, in uh, at MJ Biz in Las Vegas, and it was lots of synchronicities that got us all to come together. So we're excited to have you here today. Uh, Rudy is the founder of Whole Grow. They are focused on building a community that supports purpose-driven cannabis and hemp entrepreneurs with a focus on promoting organic and ethical cannabis products. Um, So he has a background as an an engineer and entrepreneur. He's also from Peru, so he has a really cool international background as well. Um, And when he came here to Denver, he was the CEO of Verde Natural. If you're here in Colorado, you might know Verde. They are the largest uh, living soil cultivator in the state. And he played a really integral part of growing that company and bringing them to where they are today. So I think he used a lot of that experience that he learned with Verde and started his own cultivation company, uh, consulting company. And today he offers a variety of services through his consulting business from business planning, facility design, operational planning, and more. So we're going to learn a lot more about Rudy's background today and whole grow. We're glad to have you on Rudy and to join us today. It was really interesting how we, we met at the Grasslands party and, you know, uh, we walked in, we're always going to find the Bud Bar there. And it turns out you were the man behind the Bud Bar. So, uh, you know, the synchronicities are real. But after we indulged in some of the fine cannabis, we realized there was even more synchronicities once we got talking. So I think our listeners will be pleasantly surprised by what they hear today, what they learn. Uh, I know Lucy and I are very passionate about this. So it's just another you know step in the right direction for us to kind of keep learning about these things that excite us like living soil and clean cannabis. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I know meeting over some fine cannabis, uh, some living soil cannabis and craftly grown and, and cured um, is a really nice way to connect. And I was happy to know that you, uh, we know some people in common and we share some values behind uh, what we do in this industry. So happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it is a fun way to connect. And it's not something that we would have probably been talking about 10 years ago. So it's yeah. fun how the times change us and craft cannabis can all bring us together. <laughs> that is for sure. That's true. That's true. When I first enter in the industry, my, uh, you know, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I used to um, own a real estate development and construction company. We were building high rises back in Peru and then uh, doing flips in, in Los Angeles and Vegas. And I was be- between projects and, you know, a friend of mine, uh, that he's very wealthy, uh, was having some um, health issues and he couldn't figure out how to solve them. And he saw the best doctors in Los Angeles and he couldn't figure it out. And, you know, he finally started using cannabis and that's what sparked my interest to begin with. Oh, wow. um, and so I realized, wow, there's something more than just being high and being relaxed and enjoying the plant. There's a medicinal aspect to this and this is you know several years ago yeah. um and so for me the journey started that way 
Um, and when I told my wife, you know, hey, what do you think about the cannabis industry? She was like, what? Um, you know, coming from engineering, it, it was a big change. But the entrepreneurial spirit and, and jumping into this space uh, was an incredible, incredible opportunity for me. That's exciting. Yeah. And I think I think that passion you develop once you have, you know, a tie in like you had with, you know, a friend of yours becoming ill and then finding cannabis as um, something that did help him. I think that passion really fuels a different type of, you know, movement within somebody instead of just, you know, the, the typical entrepreneurial journey of seeing opportunity and, and being a part of it. When you have a passion that drives the opportunity, uh, great things always come of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So what, what kind of happened after that? Where did you, uh, where did you end up kind of diving into cannabis and, and getting your feet wet? Yeah. So I had a few, uh, a couple trips to Denver to kind of check out the scene and understand the industry a little bit better and the market. Um, and then I decided to move here. Um, I, you know, being an entrepreneur and knowing that I didn't understand enough of the products and the production and the operations, um, was first trying to learn, right? So, you know, meeting with growers, meeting with producers, meeting with extractors and trying to understand what's happening, seeing, going, visiting to dispensaries and reading and, and really learning. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when, you know, Verde Natural, uh, was born. Verde, we used to call Verde Wellness Center. Um, there was, it was a really, uh, high quality cannabis store in Colfax in Denver, but they didn't have a grow. And so uh, what I did was um, I was able to design and build a 25,000 square foot indoor facility here in Colorado. Um, I used, you know, my engineering background and construction background to get a lot of that uh, done. But truly, it all started with thinking, what is the strategy that I wanted to focus, mm -hmm. right? I saw a bunch of people growing outdoor, um, some product that, you know, was low grade, and then a lot of people growing hydro indoor or cocoa mm -hmm. indoor, and it felt synthetic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I met these craft cultivators that were growing like really high quality cannabis. Um, it was a company called Boulder Marijuana Company. And, you know, I they weren't doing that well financially, but their product was phenomenal. Yeah. So, you know, my entrepreneurial man, mind really just went to like, what if we can scale these? Mm -hmm. And everyone just said, no, you, you, you know, you're either going to lose quality or you're not going to make any money. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, we were able to really figure out a way to scale that model. And that's how, how Verde started. That's so cool. Yeah, that's exciting. It's interesting because Verde, when I very first got started, when I started Green Love Denver, um, I do cannabis yoga classes and I was looking for clean cannabis. And Verde was one of the first places that I found. But I think they were med only maybe or something. And yes. I couldn't ever get access to the product. So it's like crazy and ironic that now we're here and you were a part of that. But yeah, they have a huge reputation here in Colorado. And maybe you can explain to the listeners a little bit more about what makes them so special, you know, the living soil and your facility design. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
you can't just differentiate based on marketing and branding, right? It needs to be something that it's on the core, on the essence of how the products are being made. And I, and I could see that happening from the beginning. So the strategy was differentiation based on quality and a natural approach. And so, you know, finding Cassandra Matthew, who was the master grower at uh, Boulder Marijuana Company and coupling um, her understanding of fine cannabis cultivation um, with my business acumen and the whole team, really, we were able to develop something uh, that really worked well, not just for quality, but also for the bottom line. I realized if we can have large scale and keep that quality, then we can drive costs down and we can have a competitive product. But it also had to do with distribution. Yeah. So, you know, um, growing living soil cannabis using only organic nutrients, understanding that, you know, the foils, this, the soil, uh, food web is so important to allow the plant to maximize its potential. Um, it's not just about THC potency. There's an entourage effect. So really learning about, and you can see it when you're growing this plant and you can smell it and touch mm -hmm. it. And really, you know, oh, when my absolutely. mom came to visit my facility the first time mm -hmm. and she was a little, you know, worried about what I was doing <laughs> coming from Peru, especially yeah. like it's a third world country and what your son's growing weed, <laughs> but it's legal and it's commercial. And then she went into these rooms and she would smell the, you know, the lemony smell and the pineine smell. She was like, wow, this is fine yeah. stuff, you know? And so, um, using those methods and perfecting those methods to grow, uh, living soil cannabis to, uh, slow cure it, to hand trim it, to hand water and to prune the plant, to really uh, allow the plant to develop all of its potential to the places that are productive, um, allowed us to, to create a product that was like superb. And then going into distribution was the, the next biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. You know, after all these months of designing and building a facility and growing without seeing any revenue, <laughs> you go down out to the market and you try to sell a product. And, you know, at the time, people at stores were saying like, well, but I can buy these other indoor hydro stuff for 1400 and you're asking for 18, like it doesn't make sense, yeah. mm -hmm. but it took a while for us to, you know, three or so months where my investor was like, Hey man, you got a lower price. And I'm like, no, this is a better product. Yeah. But when we found the right distribution partners mm -hmm. uh, that understood the value of the, an organic, high quality, natural product, um, then truly they, they saw, wow, this is a, an opportunity for them to differentiate. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, um, and I think that's just market maturity too. I think we came into the market early and people, like you mentioned, I think a lot of the focus was on one end, just trying to grow a product and get it to pass testing, just create the product, you know, and on the other end, I think people were worried about trying to produce a profit and then also, you know, control the quality of the cost too. Um, or the quality of the product and control costs. And those are like very much intrinsic things that operators deal with today of like sacrificing quality to, you know, pump out product or, or focusing on quality, taking that extra time to produce a quality product. But then you do worry about um, getting the, the return on the end. So it's good to kind of hear the, uh, the success story from your angle to hear that all of those things, they can coexist in one model. And you don't have to sacrifice quality. You don't have to sacrifice costs. You don't have to sacrifice, you know, values of yourself or your consumers those can all be incorporated into a product. Yeah. And it, 
you are going to be tested, right? As an oh, entrepreneur, yeah. if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, oh, I'm going to start my cannabis company. <laughs> well, the first thing that I would say is, what's your strategy? Mm -hmm. You know, and I go and speak at conferences in different places in different countries. And um, that's the main thing that I said. You, you know, you have to go and find your passion, but it also needs to meet some business strategic smart decision mm -hmm. if if those two elements are not combined then you don't have a recipe for success it can't be just passion and it can't just be strategy because there's so much competition mm -hmm. that you you're gonna face the tough moments and if you're not doing things that matter to you mm -hmm. and are well planned well well thought um, with consideration of who else is in the market and what else are other people doing mm -hmm. um, then it's gonna be really hard to succeed it is yeah yeah, and I think you mentioned from the start that you guys did this to differentiate. And truly, you guys are probably one of the most differentiated brands in Colorado because of it. Mm -hmm. I think people know and they recognize um, Verde Naturals and the products and you know what you guys stand for and everything that goes into it. Uh, Colorado consumers totally understand that. So, you know, the marketing plays a, a role in that. But at the same time, you know, that's because you guys are following through and you guys put in the hard work to develop the processes and, and make it happen. Yeah, and, and you know, it's not all to what we did. There was something really essential to the brand that started with the, the founder, Chuck Blackton, right? Chuck Blackton is the lemon man. He started Verde and he had really, really good genetics, mm -hmm. you know, and he had a reputation for being a connoisseur, um, high times cups winner and, uh, you know, a reputation of people that went to the store and only to his store because mm -hmm. of the kind of product that he would back um, so we started with a good foundation that was part of the process it, for me entering the industry. It, it was about, you know, learning who's who mm -hmm. and what is what in this yeah. space. Uh, and, and recognizing that I didn't know a lot of things and that I needed, you know, a support system. I needed a network. I needed a team to be able to make it happen. And, and then honestly, what made me so i came in for the opportunity mm -hmm. right i my, i saw that wow there's something interesting here uh, because of my friend and his illness and then you know i saw the business opportunity but really what made me passionate what made me stay and what made me want to like dedicate my life to this is when i saw the growers and the uh, butt tenders who moved from other states to mm -hmm. work in this industry, who like live and breathe the cannabis culture. It wasn't my like life, right? Yeah. But I came and I was able to add this business acumen, this force of entrepreneurship into something where I saw so much dedication, passion and connection. People that, you know, uh, risk their lives to do this. Mm -hmm. And oh, so, yeah. you know, with that, that, that gave me so much motivation to do Verde and much more. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. So if with your background as an engineer, were you like environmentally conscious and like focused on sustainability before as well? That was kind of part of like your core principles or was it something that shifted once you saw maybe, you know, those growers in Boulder? Look, it was a little hard um, to come in the industry and change paradigms because you didn't, I didn't know it off. Right. Um, you know, looking back, Verde's first uh, cultivation facility is indoor. And, you know, even though we have uh, or they have now like solar panels throughout the entire rooftop and we chose that, um, 
you know, still indoor cultivation uses so much energy. Mm -hmm. About 10% of Colorado's energy is used in, in indoor cannabis cultivation, and that's not sustainable. And so we we then went to build uh, greenhouses, and that's how, you know, how I believe we can create a more sustainable business, a uh, more sus sustainable product at the end of the day, too, because... You know, it can't be that wasteful. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, also the numbers don't really help. I mean, there is a race to the bottom. There is a, there is a supply demand demand curve that is adjusting um, in every state differently. As you know, there we're in different phases. Mm -hmm. But um, what we used from um, my engineering background mostly was lean production. So we used to nice. uh, build high rises using uh, lean construction, and lean mm -hmm. production uses the same principles, which is you know, low batches, uh, small teams, okay. uh, reducing waste, okay. um, and and really trying to have a system that flows really well, and uh, both from an operational standpoint and, and from communications. Hmm, interesting. And maybe that kind of flows into what you're doing now with the consulting, offering more, you know, sustainable cultivations and design processes for people. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. With Whole Grow, um, what we do now is help people that are entering this space to figure out how can they actually be successful in a, such a competitive uh, place, right? Yeah. Um, I, when I realized that I can only impact so much with Verde, that Verde is only one company in one place, and by leaving Verde and starting Whole Grow, what I'm able to do is create a network, a community of uh, different businesses that all grow under the same proven method, right? And uh, more importantly, that all like can share knowledge with, with each other and can push the industry to a more natural, more sustainable, more um, high quality and more craft place. I mean, I hate to say it, but you know, the industry got a lot of attention when uh, Canada went uh, legal national mm -hmm. and with the, you know, capital markets uh, coming online, allowing for huge corporations and huge mm -hmm. amounts of money to be dumped in in uh, in cannabis worldwide, uh, you see the the cannabis space becoming very commoditized sure. yeah. um, and it's different state by state. But, you know. Right now, we're in a very interesting place because we can see it happening. Yeah. You look at the, you know, alcohol, beer industry, you don't know. Like, people don't know. Like, people think like, oh, that's that's what beer is. And maybe not so much, you know. Maybe there's <laughs> yeah. something better and something more natural that it's meant to be like that from nature. Mm -hmm. And so right now, we're in a good place because we can expose a lot of those things. And we can push the more natural and more high quality. And by the way, it's just smart business. Oh, yeah. it, you know, you got to differentiate. You got to find your blue ocean strategy. And um, by growing high quality, natural living soil cannabis, um, it doesn't matter if the mar wholesale market is going to, you know, drop by half like it yeah. did here in Colorado, the 2018, 2017. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we weren't touched. Why? Because we had a different product. It doesn't. It didn't really matter that you know the wholesale prices went went down so much because we're not competing with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of nice. Yeah, and I think having a differentiated product helps because um, as the market continues to expand, I think there's two different things happening. There's traditional cannabis consumers who've been consuming their whole life, and then there's new early adopters. 
Um, and what we've seen in the data early on is that these traditional cannabis consumers usually prefer a flower type, which is usually going to equate them to being like a connoisseur, you know, they want quality flower. Whereas the early, you know, the new adopters, um, they may go towards the other, you know, like an edible or something or a vape pen or a concentrate, just something that's a little bit different, a little more discreet. And so it really rings true to those who are wanting to cultivate flower uh, that the people who are going to be purchasing your products, the vast majority of those are going to want consumer you know, or basically like high quality consumer based flower that's a connoisseur product. And basically it lends, you know, a lot of credit to what you guys have done with whole grow. And as this continues to expand, I could totally see the, you know, the opportunity uh, for this model to really take off. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. We've, we've had the opportunity now to do this for a little over a year and, uh, we've had clients and we still have California, Colorado, Massachusetts, um, Illinois, uh, Columbia, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at projects now, now in different States, uh, in Europe. And, you know, to me, like, the ability to have this kind of impact and it's not just flower you know what we did with with uh, dab logic was also very mm-hmm. special last year dab logic won um 2019 best non-solvent brand from high times in colorado and you know julian came um to verde to join uh because of the type of flower we had because he nice. knew the kind of hash he could create yeah. for from such flower so you know when we were talking about um, new people coming in this space and wanting different uh, ways to consume. Um, you know, to me, there's a whole uh, gamma of opportunity, uh, which is goes beyond the flower. I mean, I have a client in Ohio where we did a whole line of um, organic edibles nice. and not the, you know, not the traditional stuff, but we did fruit leather instead of gummies. Nice. And we did, you know, uh, granola bars instead of, you know, cookies. Um, and things that are more aligned with the values that we represent. Yeah, true. Maybe yeah, just uh, quickly tell the listeners what solventless means, because I know that can get tricky. Yeah, well, solventless is um, not using solvents in the process of extracting um, the cannabis out of the plant. So, you know, you have methods uh, like butane and propane. Uh, you have methods like that use CO2. Um, and those are all solvents, you know, there's hydrocarbons and, and non that you also have, um, alcohol to, that you can use to extract, um, the oils out of the cannabis plant. Uh, but the non-solvent, uh, method of extraction, the solventless method of extraction basically, um, uses ice and water to, uh, to then, uh, pass through a process of, um, dehydration uh, and drying, so a freeze dryer, Mm -hmm. and then pressing to create uh, uh, an extract like rosin or ice oil or eventually a vape cart that it didn't have any of those chemicals Mm -hmm. in the process. Mm -hmm. So it really kind of helps to preserve the the true essence of the plant, I think. It doesn't, it's not like tainted by chemicals or stuff's not stripped away. Yeah, you get more of that uh, terpene and cannabinoid profile to resemble the, the plant. Mm-hmm. Um, you get that freshness and you know that at the end of the day, it's a more natural product. I mean, this is nothing new. It's been an ancient method for oh, yeah. many, many years. So I was going to mention earlier, yeah, ice water hash. Yeah, like that. exactly. That's cool. that exactly. Cool. exactly. And you can, you know, 
know, it is. It doesn't need to be the most expensive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the yields are lower, but not all the time do you have to consume so much. I think many yeah, times when you're true. getting the right strains, the mm-hmm. right product, the richness and the entourage effect, you can have you know a situation where less is more. Yeah. No, I feel you there because we've we've had strains before, and this is um, this is smoke and flour, but I'm sure it still rings true with concentrates and other things to a certain extent. But we've had like 12, 14 percent flour, where the bud tender is trying to sell us on something that's like 31, 32 percent, and then we smell the stuff and we're like, mm, you know, I like that 14 percent. Let's try it, and you know, it gets us where we need to be. You know, probably more so than that 31 percent. Yeah. And so I really think there's even like a backtrack here and you know, a step away from the THC model. I know Solventless just in Colorado has really came on hot. Dab Logic came out of nowhere in the last two years and yep. it's all the rage now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the market's still young and the market's still fresh where, you know, these new products can take control and, you know, there may have been a, a high THC craze for a second, but hopefully we get the consumers to take a step back and start sourcing the products that uh, that smell great and they have a great synergistic profile. Yeah, and, and microdosing too. Like there oh, is... Yeah. You know, there's a whole movement of new people that don't want to be, you know, in those places. And honestly, when you talk to the um, the medical professionals, you know, they advise you to be careful with your receptors, your, you know, CB1 and CB2 mm-hmm. receptors. Oh, yeah. Like you can really, um, <laughs> you know, do different things depending on how, yeah. how much are you consuming. True, yeah. It's called pruning. <laughs> you can prune those receptors like you're pruning a tree. Yeah. And then it's yeah. hard to get them back, guys. Don't yeah. do that. Don't smoke too much cannabis. <laughs> Try some solventless. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of consumers, just real quick, do you feel like consumers are more educated now and asking these questions like, what's in my weed? Like, how is it grown? Where did it come from? Are people concerned about this? Hashtag, what's Hashtag, in my weed? What's in my weed? <laughs> That's right. Intent. Well, yeah. I mean, there's campaigns. Uh, there's more education. There's more competition and brands need to find ways to communicate their value proposition. And so um, definitely more awareness, uh, more knowledge being spread. Um, you know, you guys doing these podcasts and more and other people doing podcasts and videos and being less afraid to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's professionals who before wouldn't speak about it and like, Hey, don't quote me, but here's my quote, Yeah, you know, and, and now this is changing. Um, but I gotta say that there's a whole other current of, uh, forces, which are the more corporate forces that mm-hmm. don't really want to create more awareness. They want to create more brand loyalty, mm-hmm. um, with flashy packaging and good branding and not necessarily the best products inside. And, you know, the perception of value that we see on fast food, for example, mm-hmm. um, can really, really happen with, uh, with consumer packaged goods. Um, and so we got to be careful with that. We got to do our, our job to educate the people. And uh, ultimately, it's also the bud tenders have a huge role, yeah. right? Um, some of the new big companies are like have policies that don't attract the more passionate people that, mm-hmm. you know, want to medicate and use. Um, and it's part of their lifestyle. And, you know, they, they don't allow that. And so when you have those type of people... Um, in front of the consumer, they're not necessarily so educated or so able to to communicate what the consumer needs to know. That's true, yeah. 
I think that just pushes, you know, our listeners more. Just educate yourself, educate your family around you. Um, there's definitely a lot of credence to everything we talk about, you know, living soil, things like that. We wouldn't just preach it to you if it wasn't something that, you know, we've literally seen with our eyes, you know, the difference. You know, you mentioned um, hydroponic. I've seen so many hydroponic grows and I understand the benefits and I have plenty of friends who grow hydroponically, so I totally get it. Um, but there's there's a lot just like I feel like left there to I don't even know, you know, like you mentioned, I think synthetics just a good explanation, but it just doesn't feel the same as, you know, I walk out here in my garden, I'm about to plant a veggie garden here in three months and damn straight, those veggies going to grow in soil and yeah. grow like they normally do, you know, with yeah. sun and all the good stuff. And I mean, you can't play God. I mean, nature yeah. really is uh, <laughs> much smarter than us. And if we try to, you know, do that, then there's side effects to it. Yeah. And so, you know, I didn't delve too deep into that. To me, it resonated. It was very clear. I started, I, I put more of my energy on learning about, you know, the living soil cultivation method, the organic cannabis yeah. cultivation methods. Um, it's Jeff, fun. Yeah. It's fun stuff. There's is. so much science to it. Yeah. At my last job, we had a guy there who was self-taught and he was all about living soil and, and microbiome and basically, you know, keeping all the, the, the biology, you know, safe and secure within the soil. And I, you know, I didn't even start smoking weed until like, man, like 2015, 2014. So I'm still pretty new to, you know, cannabis. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I'm ignorant to how it's grown and all that. Um, and I was totally fascinated to find out the whys. And it's not just, you know, oh, it's in soil. Who cares? You know, there's a lot of biology happening at, uh, you know, cellular levels and, and even like molecular levels that, um, that all contribute to a totally different cannabis plant, a totally different cannabis experience. Yeah, and, like, and, it, and it is a living being, right? It is, we, yeah. We gotta respect the plant and you know respect the people that have risked their lives to make this happen. Let's not kid ourselves. We wouldn't have an industry if it wasn't for the people that you know were selling pounds off the backpacks. Absolutely, um, yeah. And it, and it is a controversial topic, but. You know what? Like those people paved the way, yep. and so we are here, uh, post or almost <laughs> post prohibition, yeah. um, and we gotta give them the credit. I mean, the, the, yeah, the plan, the plan needs to be respected, needs to be honored, and uh, you know, I'm sure the plant doesn't really like it when you're pumping nutrients and really injecting hormones yeah. into their system just to get more pounds um yeah and, i agree and, and, and by the way not just the plant the consumer yeah. but the consumer doesn't necessarily know a lot of the times we eat junk and we feel good for the moment and then we realize the next day that maybe it wasn't the best choice yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. exactly yeah i always equate it to just you know how would you like hanging out in a hospital with ivs hooked up to you you know right. versus just eating some whole food veggies and Maybe like a good, you know, steak or whatever, you know, you consume or like whatever is your choice, but at least you're not hooked up to an IV. Um, and that's kind of just how I feel, I guess, with the cannabis plants. So living soil was just like, wow, you know, totally, you know, why is this a no brainer? We should be doing this with all of our cannabis plants. And the question is, why do not people, not more people do it? And it's because it is harder. It is harder. You know, yeah. it is not necessarily plug and play. So that's when, you know, I saw a huge opportunity to, you know, bring that CEO experience from five years and, and really give a proven method that it's not necessarily just plug and play, but, you know, we work together to um, allow you to build something that's sustainable 
business-wise, also environmentally-wise, but also, you know, something that you can be proud of, something that your employees are going to grow and go home and be super excited. And that's the other part. It's like the team, you know, as a business owner, entrepreneur, someone that's trying to, you know, do something or influence, you have to have a team that's committed. And that's only, you know, possible if you have a good company culture. If you are investing in your people, if you want to be a leader in your company, um, then you have to care for other people. You have to set, you know, rules for success for everyone. And you, and, and, um, so that's what I would say, you know, to anyone that's entering this space or starting in this space, it's, you know, recognize the things that you don't know, find the people that are experts in the things that you don't know. Mistakes are very expensive. Um, you know, when I was, uh, starting to design this facility, I would work with engineers and they would say, oh, you should put this HVAC. And, you know, happened to be that that guy was a rep or had some sort of back (laughs) kickback with it. And I was like, well, you're not my engineer anymore. But more importantly, you know, how many tons per thousand watt do I need to do? Now I know, you know, um, and I can share like, you know, that there's some KPIs that you should know. And people talk about, you know, three pounds of light or two pounds of light. And does that really matter so much? You have to think about also how long does it take and how much are you producing in what space? So when people talk about pounds per light, I say, you know, let's say a a specific area, let's say a specific time, let's say 10,000 square feet canopy in a year. How many pounds do you put out of that? I don't care how many lights do you have, you know? Um, And so, you know, that knowledge is what I transfer to, to my clients. But beyond that, you can educate yourself and talk to others. And, and honestly, there's no better knowledge than when you do A-B testing. Oh, absolutely. You know, continuous growing, continuous learning. For that, you need to track data. Yep. I need to analyze data. But you can only change one variable uh, at the time. So if you are growing plants and you want to figure out if you should change to LEDs or whatever other technology, this is part of what we do um, with our clients so we can help them, you know, stay updated with yeah. the better technology because there are new things all the time oh my gosh, so and we want to improve. But they need to do the other part. It's, you know, track the yields, track right. the quality and only change one variable at a time. Yeah. yeah. And I think all that just goes to, a, a, you know, a tremendously successful business and one that you have the model to prove it. So I think that's exciting what you've been able to do and what you've learned and kind of picked up over the year. And, and then you turn around and you're putting it right back into action. That's exciting. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm proud to start to see flower popping up in other places and, you know, have partners like... You know AJ, whose flower yeah. we share together, <laughs> um, and you know you you get excited to see other people grow. I don't think that this model of you know one VC group owning a multi-state operator is so great. You no. see them failing now because of that, because it's a monster that it's very hard to move, mm-hmm. and that's why I see this network of businesses that I'm helping as a much better alternative. Yeah. You know, it's more of a co-op model where eventually we'll share the brand yeah. and we will be able to you know, all have a very consistent, high quality product in different markets. But for now, um, I can just say that, you know, if you're entering the space, have a strategy, Mm -hmm. think about, you know, what stuff you don't know and get that help because the mistakes are going to be expensive and you can lose some hair. (laughs) Yeah. 
the hair might be the least of your worries. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us. We really appreciate it. I did want to just touch back on one thing that you said. I like that you finished with, you know, educating your staff and having a really quality culture. I saw when I was, you know, prepping for this episode that you offered, you know, training and staff training. And I love that because it's like you started with the business plan and then you went to design and you literally finished with the staff. So it is whole grow like it's a full process so i think you totally understand that and are offering that value to any of your clients coming forward uh, with the passion for the plant sustainability so like thank kudos you. to you thank you so much yeah I, I believe that execution you know you can have the best plan the best strategy but if you can't make it happen then it's gonna be hard and it's not just about you know who's got the resume it's about mm -hmm. who's invested and who cares yeah. and who mm -hmm. wants you know who wants to do this and who wants to learn because you know, if you have someone that goes home and doesn't want to hear anything else about the business, it's completely different than if someone goes home and he's still excited to like listen to a podcast, Yeah, you know? And so that only happens in my opinion, when you care for people and when you want to help them grow. And, and that's the responsibility of a leader. I don't think about it as, you know, a privilege. I think about it as a, as a responsibility and an opportunity because, you know, the bonds and the relationships that you can forge through that are, are incredible. And, and that, you know, fills your heart. Uh, the the entrepreneur and business owner journey can be lonely and can be hard. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, build a tribe because that those other people are going to be there with you to make it happen. Oh, I love, love that. that. Is that your advice for everybody? Because I mean, that's solid advice right there. That's good. I think you have to. You know, we're you know, Lucy and I are entrepreneurs. You're an entrepreneur as well. It is. You know, and I think. Um, Having that ability, I think, to learn from others might be one of the greatest attributes to entrepreneurs and nobody really teaches you about. I think um, people come into business and they're very, you know, tight-lipped. They're very, they want to, you know, control their company, make sure it's successful, and they want to make sure everything's just right. And a lot of times we forget that, you know, we got to relax, loosen up, and then, you know, talk to our community and figure out, you know, what's everybody else doing? Because if, you know, they've already effed up a few times and spent a lot of the money, <laughs> totally. you know, a lot of times people are pretty willing to share with you, you know, what they've done wrong because everybody I think that I've met wants everybody to be successful. And I think as a lot of operators begin to, uh, begin to, you know, develop their operations in Illinois and Michigan and Massachusetts and a lot of these new markets, um, I think it's really imperative to just reach out to some of these more established places because I can mm -hmm. tell you we've been here for a while and in four years maybe it's a short time maybe eight years seems like a short time but there's been so much learned in that incredibly short amount of time that can still save you guys those four or eight years and yeah. lots of money yeah yeah absolutely and you know you gotta fall in love with the problem mm -hmm. and not with your solution and, and many times we get caught up and we just think oh my product is so amazing yeah. but you won't be able to pivot um if you're so so mm -hmm. like in love with your own product you got to be more invested in what's the problem that you're solving oh, absolutely. and and you know that way when things change or ask things change because they change all the time mm -hmm. you know you're more able um to, to pivot and to to provide a better solution because who you care should be the, the problem, the people that you're serving and inside the organization and outside, right? You gotta yeah. think about both. Absolutely, yeah. That's good stuff, Rudy. Uh, everything you dropped today I think has been incredible. I think you have an incredible uh, background and your passion's incredible. And I really can't wait to see even how much you accomplish in a year with Whole Grow and to watch that whole thing develop and then also just watch you uh, personally develop your intellect and 
and your, your love for cannabis and sustainable practices. Likewise, you guys are doing awesome <laughs> stuff. And thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Real quick, how can people find you if they're interested in learning more? Wholegrow.com. It's, you know, I'm very available. Like, there's ways to contact me there, wholegrow.com. I'm also on Instagram um, at wholegrowhq. And so I love talking with people. I'm a mentor in a Canopy Boulder Accelerator and love to share knowledge, experiences and, and just be there for other people. Like because, you know, I, I was able to do this with other people's <laughs> help for sure. So. Yeah, definitely check it out. There's some really cool case studies on his website as well. So you'll learn more that way. Thanks. All right, you guys. With that, I'm lit. I'm lucid. And that's it. Laters. Using the knowledge they gained in the pharmaceutical industry, Vera Health is transforming the CBD space with products that actually work. With their scientific formulations and a world-class team, Vera Health creates CBD products with superior bioavailability for endocannabinoid system support. Vera Health products include CBD oral micromist sprays, CBD topical salves, and CBD soft gel capsules. See what everyone is talking about and try for yourself at www.verahealth.com. Vera, because it works.